This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. You don't like the Drake. I hate the Drake. I love the Drake. How could you not like the Drake? Who's the Drake? Who's the Drake? The Drake is good. Do you like the Drake? I love the Drake. What about the Drake? Screw the Drake. I love the Drake. This is Cam Bowen, voice of Tim Drake on Young Justice, and you're listening to Everyone Loves the Drake. Hi, this is James Tynan IV, and I love the Drake. This is George Perez at Cincinnati Comic Expo, and everybody likes the Drake, especially the cakes. Hi, this is Mark Wolfman, and everyone loves the Drake. Hi, this is Marcus Toe, artist for Red Robin. You've been listening to Robin, Everyone Loves the Drake podcast. Good for them. Love the Drake. Got to love the Drake. I'm impressed. What can I say? I'm irresistible. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake comic podcast. I'm your host, Rob Myers. Welcome to episode 114. This show is brought to you by the BatmanUniverse.net, your home for all things Batman and Robin, whom is celebrating 80 years this year. Like I said, we're part of the BatmanUniverse.net podcasting network, and we're also associated with Batman on Films podcast network, BatmanPodcastNetwork.com. So between the BatmanUniverse.net and Batman on Film, you can find us. And also we're on social media. You can find us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Everyone Loves a Drake. We are on Twitter at ELTD Podcast. We also have Instagram, and if you want to send us an email, you can do so at Robin, ELTD Podcast. And we also have a YouTube page. As I said, I'm Rob, and on this episode, we're continuing our 80th anniversary celebration, and I have a guest from a wonderful podcast that you may have heard, Coffee and Comics, also the host of Fan Film Fridays, Mr. Clinton Robinson. How are you doing today? I'm good, Rob. Thanks for having me here. Excellent. So glad that you've been able to do this, and you've been a, a supporter of the show, and I've been checking your your podcasts out, and uh, I feel like now that when I have Fridays off from work, I feel that's my comic reading time. So I feel now I'm just required to have a cup of coffee when I read my comics, although I probably go through about two cups of coffee because <laughs> I tend to read a little bit slower. I'm like, I don't know how he's reading his comics and getting them done in one cup of, co- <laughs> one cup of coffee, or maybe I just drink my coffee way too darn fast. So how are you doing today? I'm doing really well, and just to make you feel a little bit better, I review the comic in a t- amount of time to yes. have a cup of coffee. I sit yeah. and read with the pot close at hand. My pot's a little bit farther, so I've got to do a little bit more traveling. So, you know, 
maybe in the in the reviewing aspect that'll that'll go a little bit more. So this is the 80th anniversary of Robin, as we said at the top of the show. Uh, what's your connection to the Robin character? Who is your first Robin as you were reading comics? Oh gosh, my first Robin was. I mean, Dick Grayson, obviously. Mm-hmm. I grew up with Super Friends, uh, Batman 66 reruns, all that kind of fun stuff. But by the time I actually got into comics seriously, Dick was Nightwing, had been Nightwing for several years, and Jason was long dead. Mm-hmm. In fact, I got into comics pretty seriously right after Tim became Robin. So would you say that... Basically, as far as your comic reading, Tim Drake is essentially your Robin that you really identify with. Oh, yeah. Tim has always been my favorite Robin. What was it about Tim that really kind of won you over as a character? Or was it just due to the nature that's just when you were were reading? Well, I mean, initially when I started reading, I was trying to figure out exactly what was going on, why there would be a need for somebody else to be Robin. You know, I was one of those confused people, like, wasn't Dick Grayson Robin? Why, <laughs> you know, why switch? I had no idea who Jason Todd was till years later. But as far as enjoying Tim, I mean, it's everything. It's the fact that he had that really cool updated look. He, mm-hmm. Tim and I were essentially the same age as when I was reading, so it's easy to identify with a teenage character. Yeah. And... He was the first Robin who just actively wanted to be Robin. You know, it wasn't any of this, I'm trying to avenge this, I'm trying to, you know, live up to that. He wanted to make Batman a better Batman by being Robin. And I really kind of respected that. That was an interesting goal instead of, you know, let's get revenge on Tony Zuko. Let's, Mm -hmm. you know... And so on and so forth, but God, and I think yeah. One of the cool things, like with that, with Tim, I think I'm right in the same wheelhouse, you know, as you are. I had you know, Batman '89 was of, of course this big launching pad, and I had, like you said, watched the Super Friends and in the '70s the New Adventures of Batman with Batmite and Adam West and Burt Ward versing or voicing those characters. But the '89 movie did something where, like, oh, I want to go actively start reading comics and I picked up year three and I was kind of the same way. I remember being in art class and seeing somebody draw what I didn't know at the time was death in the family of drawing, you know, a dead Robin on the front of the cover and going, well, what's that? And him telling me what it is. And I was like, Oh my gosh, they killed Robin. Oh, I always liked Dick Grayson. He's like, this isn't Dick Grayson. I said, well, well, who is it? Jason Todd. Oh, who the heck's Jason Todd? You know, that that whole thing. So getting into year three in A Lonely Place of Dying, I was like, oh, my gosh, they're going to bring you know, Dick Grayson back as being Robin. And this kid's going to inspire Dick to do so. So you go from hoping Dick becomes Robin to, oh, my gosh, it's going to be this kid. I think it made my young, naive age, <laughs> being in high school, not going, oh, I couldn't read between the lines where DC was going, no, this is going to be the new Robin. But he had that, like you said, he didn't have the tragedy initially built in. You had you had a Batman that was willing to train eventually, but you also had the former Robin going, I the reason I brought you here is for a different different reason. You get the the passing the torch very 
very seamlessly and you were rooting for the kid. Uh, Terrence and I have said on previous shows that it was like, well, I ride my bike around everywhere. And this Tim Drake kid's got a bike and, you know, I can ride a bike. I guess I can be Robin. You could just easily, you know, relate to that. But I had a paper route I had to do first before I could, <laughs> could be Robin. Uh, what do you think the the lasting impression of, I guess two questions, the lasting impression of Robin is, is, is Robin still an important character today and can you still have a batman and a robin well i mean that kind of goes back to the whole robin was created so batman had someone to talk to Mm -hmm. but yes i definitely think robin is not only important but necessary i mean you can have batman solo but only so long because we've we've seen time and again every time that we just completely do without a Robin the writers always wanted to make Batman a little too dark and a little too edgy mm-hmm. you know he becomes more bat than man if you want to put it that way right right okay Robin is the yin to Batman's yang he is the light in the darkness he if you want to take uh Dick Grayson approach. He's the happy-go-lucky kid compared to the less happy Bruce. I don't want to say <laughs> grim dark because you know there were right. times when we did have a very smiling Batman. But not just that. Uh, Robin gives a a character for the younger audience to relate to. There's always some way that he can play off of the other characters that helps a younger audience. Uh, see themselves mm-hmm. you know it kind of goes back to the wish fulfillment thing of you know every kid wants to be a superhero at some point in their life right and whether you have a teenage robin a 10 year old robin uh, an 18 year old robin somebody is going to relate to him at some point or him or her uh, right. I'll, I'll count stephanie and carrie <laughs> kelly in here well, and I think one of the, you know, you're talking about the yin and the yang. I don't know where you fall on the Damian Wade side of things, but it was interesting after Batman R.I.P. and, you know, Bruce is lost in time that Dick Grayson for the second time picks up the role of Batman. And doing that with Tim was really cool, but both of those characters, for probably lack of a better word, were, you know, evenly yoked with each other. They were both. A, a brighter character and they were both were essentially on the same playing field. But, you know, a few years later down the road, you get Dick as Batman again, and now you get Damien Wayne. So the dichotomy of, you know, for lack of a better word, like you said, the grim dark night and the bright Robin. Now that's been flipped. You get a bright Batman with a grim and dark and sometimes murderous, you know, Damien Wayne. So I thought that was an interesting concept. You get to see a character like Dick Grayson, you know, be Robin, become Nightwing, and then go into a role which he was always very uneasy of, and it made that new dynamic of Batman and Robin. At first, I was like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to like this. But by the end of Morrison's run, I was really, you know, before you get to the new 52, I was like, I really kind of like this version of Batman and Robin. Did you have any take on that version of the characters? Uh, yeah, actually, I really do enjoy Damien when he's with Dick. And I like Damien when he's with John Kent. 
Yes. I, I don't like Damien partnered with Bruce. It doesn't seem to f- fly as well. Yeah, that's almost the opposite of Tim and Dick. Both of those characters, Bruce and Damien, are almost on the same emotional playing field to some to some level. Yeah, so today's books we're going to be looking at is when I sent all these emails and you know Facebook requests out to all the uh, guests that are coming on the show, I had them pick a book or a movie or whatever it might be, something that connected to them, maybe something that they have always wanted to read, or just was something that was like, hey, this would be a really cool thing to talk about. So the two books that you chose today were Showcase 93 issues 11 and 12 what made you want to choose this or was this just by the luck of the draw well for one i was a huge fan of showcase when they were doing it in the early 90s mm-hmm. i Ditto. mean three stories for uh, what was the cover price on this the cover price is from mike's amazing world is one dollar 95 cents it's very hard to read underneath the uh, numbers <laughs> they're they're written on <laughs> very uh same like colors, blue on black. I'm like, come on, guys. Yeah. I mean, three stories for two bucks in the early yeah. 90s. You can't beat that. And many of them were self-contained stories featuring right. rarely seen characters that did not have their own books at the time. Or even very well-seen characters who still didn't have their own books at this time. Um, Tim Drake, hello. Right, right. I mean, this is... For for Tim's a little bit of history here, I started looking at, while prepping for the show, these two stories are set right in Nightfall. This book came out the same month that Robin Number 1 comes out, so there's a weird thing, we'll get into it in the story. So you could theoretically have Jean-Paul come in at the very end, and I'm blanking on what the detective issue was that bled into Robin Number 1, where Tim ends up leaving the Batcave and then goes out and meets Shotgun Smith and the car thieves that are in Robin Number 1. And then you could slide this adventure, these two characters, in there, and we can actually get more particulars there. And then Robin Number 1, like I said, comes out in the same month. So it's that kind of cool thing. And Showcase did that a little bit for Nightfall. But like you said, traditionally with Showcase, these would just be stories of like, hey, we've got the Creepers on one of these. Like the Creeper didn't have a book anywhere, but somebody decided, hey, we got to throw this character in here, maybe with another main hero. I think uh, Robin gets his own Showcase issue back in May. And Geoforce is also a character who wasn't getting a lot of prominence at the time. So I... I dug these showcase issues quite a bit. I liked it when they, you know, fit into another story somewhere else. But if I'm being honest, I almost wish they kind of didn't do that. So you could read a, like you said, self-contained issue. And every once in a while, you would get like a thematic story that kind of somehow fits through all the showcase issues. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, even though, like you said, you and I both really seem to enjoy the, the done in ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, the sheer fact that this story, like we're looking at the conclusion of a story that has been weaving in and out of Showcase, Catwoman, and I want to say one other book, like throughout the yeah. course of the year. Yeah, and that, I thought that was was something really, uh, really cool too. And I got 
to meet one of the uh, cover artists, uh, Alan Davis and Mark Farmer. And uh, of all the books that everybody was bringing those two to sign, I set this uh, down to talking about issue 12. And they both just looked at it. And Alan Davis is like, I completely forgot I even did this cover. And I uh, was just talking about, you know, how how he did three or four different versions of Nightwing and Tim Drake, he got right off the bat and he said the creeper was the one that he just kept drawing and redrawing and redrawing over and over again till he till he got that right and you know Farmer was like, I had a blast I had a blast doing, you know, this issue. So I thought that was that was really pretty cool. And uh that we get both Nightwing and Robin on this book, two Robins that uh you know really start to become brothers you know later on once nightwing gets his book officially as the you know the bat family starts winding to uh to bigger climactic issues yeah and i think you hit the nail on the head right there that was part of my reason for picking this story was this is pretty much the start of the tim and dick buddying up thing like they'd hung out before but this is where they really connected as not just friends and teammates but like you said as brothers yes well this is where we're going to take a quick pause we're going to play some promos i wonder what promos i'm going to play well i'll just throw any two promos i find I it's think probably for the fortress pro- of bailey dude yeah it's probably the fortress of bailey dude i'll have to play all 25 of his shows but hey i think i'm we're all contractually obligated to say that sorry michael just kidding <laughs> <laughs> when we come back clinton and i will go through showcase 93 issues 11 and 12 don't go anywhere we will be right back can i get a tall chai and a large black coffee and I suppose you're here with no agenda, as per usual? On the contrary, I'm here for comics. I think I can help all of you. Hello, I'm the caffeinated Clinton Robison, and I host a podcast called Coffee and Comics. On this podcast, I summarize, review, and discuss comic book issues, stories, and related media, usually in the span of time it takes to have a cup of coffee. Sometimes I'm joined by a guest, and sometimes I'm flying solo. So pour the coffee, take a sip, and turn up the volume as you listen to the Coffee and Comics Podcast. Available on iTunes, Stitcher, and directly on coffeeandcomicspodcast.blogspot.com. And remember, this is where the comics are never too old, and the coffee is never too cold. Hey everybody, Clinton Robison here. I recently attempted to sneak into the Longbox Crusade headquarters basement to watch some of the Albrecht Brothers action movies while the crew was out at the Saturday matinee theater. Too bad I had a little mishap and got stuck down here with no movies to boot. However, there are pieces of Pat's old podcasting equipment and excellent Wi-Fi service. So I decided to pass the time watching online fan films and talking about them. What, you don't know what a fan film is? Well, there are these non-theatrical movies that people post online of already established characters and settings. Hey, hey, hey now. Just wait and see. 
save all judgment for what happens when you listen to Fan Film Fridays, a new podcast found on the Longbox Crusade podcast feed. Don't just like it when other people are listening to the show, they don't realize the conversations that the podcasters are having off uh, <laughs> during the promo break where we're like looking at the cover for 11 here and go, I don't know what in the world is going on in this cover. It is, I'm going to get booed for this. I can't, I probably shouldn't even say that. I did not realize this was a George Perez cover. I did not realize it until an hour ago. And I've had this book since 1993. That Wonder Woman I, gives it away, dude. I I know, I know, and I I was trying to figure I just assumed it was like all right, since they're on the front cover, it's probably probably got to go to a bomb cloud. I I don't know why I assumed that, but just now looking at Wonder Woman, I think I was always so focused on Nightwing and uh Robin that I really wasn't paying that much attention to Wonder Woman, and that is clearly clearly a George Perez Wonder Woman. I I need my my DC Comics card taken away or, or something. I, I, I feel really bad for, for not realizing this is George Perez. And it's right under like the yellow swoosh that's just below uh, Nightwing. And uh, I always forget that Deadshot is also in this cover as well. He's hidden almost right behind the A in, uh, in Showcase. And there you've got Katana. I believe that's down there in the close to the bottom right under Nightwing's left arm. So yeah, there's a lot going on here, and I I remember thinking just seeing this on the shelf, going, I can't wait to read all these adventures of all these characters together. Kind of forgetting what Showcase actually was, like you know, okay, here's a base of the characters that are on here, but I was trying to figure out what crazy thing was going to be in this issue, just based on the cover, which. We know how covers go, so shame on me, Rob. <laughs> what do you think of the cover for uh, issue eleven? Oh, I mean, this cover is beautiful. It's got, God, it's got so many characters you can barely even count them. All. Well, you can count them all, but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. It, it's if you didn't remember, it was nineteen ninety three. You'd swear this was like an alternate cover for an issue of Crisis on Infinite Earths. Oh yeah, totally. Cause, totally. I mean, you've got Deadshot, Wonder Woman, Nightwing, Robin, Doctor Light, uh, Katana, Peacemaker, uh, Deathstroke, and Cobra all on one cover. 
Yeah. Why would you not and, buy this issue? <laughs> right. And, you know, saying this now, I think this is the first time that Perez is drawing a lot of these characters. I know Perez has drawn Tim Drake previously, but I think he's done more in the Pixie Boots, uh, in Lonely Place of Dying. So I don't know how many opportunities he had to do Tim in this costume much at all, but I'm trying to remember when was the last time he did Dr. Light? Crisis. Crisis, yeah. I mean, so, I'm sure he uh, probably had an opportunity between yeah. you know, then and 93, but... Yeah, I guess is like I said, it's a very busy cover, but a very cool cover. So the primary character that's getting top billing in this is Nightwing, and then it says Robin Cobra Chronic and the, the Cobra Chronicles up top to let you know kind of like what else is going on in the issue. Once I started reading this, I was thinking, oh, this is going to be a Nightwing. It's going to be the Nightwing focused issue. It's got the main lead of the book or the the top billing story. And I'd actually argue and say this is actually a Tim Drake story more than it's a Nightwing story. Tim has all of the inner monologue telling us what's going on, what has brought him to New York City. It's to track down Barracuda and catching up and to meet Nightwing because what's currently going on, like we said at the top of the show, that Tim is on the outs with Batman and the Batman that we're talking about is Jean-Paul Valley Batman that has gone, you know, crazy crackers at this point. Bruce and Alfred are in England trying to track down Chandra Consolving and to get her back and Tim Drake's father. So there's a lot on Tim Drake's plate currently at this moment. So was I don't think this normally happens in a lot of the showcase books, but disappointed might be the wrong word, but should have Tim got top billing in this being that it's it's more his story than anything technically yes but considering tim got top billing in uh showcase 93 issues five and six six right you know it it seemed kind of um kind of an editorial decision plus you know putting nightwing right there on the cover of my bring in titans fans that aren't necessarily keeping up with the main Batman titles at the moment. Right. And plus, this is really the first instance chronologically that Nightwing shows up in the Nightfall story. He did, he will later once Bruce gets back. But I think this might have been a way too, to, to explain, like, well, why didn't Bruce just pick Dick to be Batman right off the bat? We know there was an editorial from DC that, you know, the Titans didn't want to give him up right away because Wolfman and Perez were were doing their thing, so they created Jean-Paul and all of that. So I think this is a way, story-wise, to, if you're reading Nightfall and you want a little deeper dive, you can go, oh, you do get that Nightfall interaction. And this was something on our show that we were originally planning on covering, and I think just because of podcast error, and I'm pointing to myself here, I totally let this one slip through the cracks and never went went back to it. So when you chose this book, I was like, oh my gosh, this is a really good way to, you know, rewind the tape a little bit, so to speak, and place this back in here. You can almost get the sense that Dick's still a little uneasy. You know, he's had a falling out with the Titans. He wasn't chosen by Batman. And here comes Robin wanting more help. And 
Dick's more of like, you know, like, why are you here? I'm, I'm doing my own thing right now. You know, don't you have a Batman to work with? So, you know, we were talking about this brotherly bond. It's not right here in the beginning of the issue. Is that, was that something a little striking at the time? I think reading it now, I was like, man, I always thought they were pretty tight together, but it, it doesn't lead off that way. Right. It, it's very much still the angsty dick. He's he's not sitting there saying, you know, I'm my own man. I can do it on my <laughs> own. I don't need any of you. <laughs> but at the same time, he's like, I'm done with all this Batman stuff. Apparently nobody thinks I'm good enough. Just let me do my own thing. Okay, fine. I'll help you. But just this once. Yeah. Something I was saying that you know, with this being tied into Nightfall, Tim makes a couple mentions throughout this that he has had three failed attempts of getting Barracuda and goes through uh, about midway through the book, and I'm trying to hurriedly go through uh, the pages here, where he had a run-in with Catwoman and um, he had a run-in with himself and, you know, one other time where the GCPD let him escape and i started thinking well that really can't have happened in the robin ongoing series yet and there wasn't really anything going on in nightfall with it so talking about thematically this goes clear back to issue five of showcase 93 where barracuda is in that particular issue where robin is uh, fighting with him so i thought that was a good poll that you've got seven or eight issues between or excuse me about five issues in between everything that they're pulling only tying or obviously tying into nightfall but their own showcase issue as well so i thought that was uh, a pretty good pull uh, what do you think about barracuda his design does he remind you of anybody else oh god i've well as far as like the whole martial arts and the tattoo on his chest, he really comes across as um, King Snake. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, King Snake. But, I mean, it's, as far as his personality, he just seems more like the generic gangster for pretty much any Batman story. Yeah. Something else I wanted to ask you. What do you think about this era's version uh, 90s version of Dick Grayson's uh, Nightwing costume. Uh, gone, we're past the disco collar era. Now we're into like the wing glider cape. Not really uh, cape, but the glider wings that he has attached. And we're, you know, this is that middle ground costume before he gets the blue stripes that we now familiarize the, him with. The costume itself, I do enjoy. I mean, I'm still of the opinion that if you're going to do, like, anything other than the real sleek blue stripes, you know, it basically Perez can draw it and everybody else can just come close. Right. But as far as the design of this costume, I, I really do enjoy it. I would honestly say Nightwing has not had a quote-unquote bad costume, except for maybe <laughs> that New 52 where they replaced the blue with red. See, I think I'm in a camp all on my own. I really dug the red. I thought thematically it, it lends itself to having the color of Robin be part of his costume. I mean, I get it. Like the new 52 was just busy 
the new 52 personified it's it's the change for sake of change you know it's one thing to give nightwing the red and be like all right but then they just put they put it tim drake in the right lob <laughs> rob liefeld blender and put on pouches wings and buckles and belts everywhere you could possibly get so looking at the two i was like i'll take that red over whatever this is all, See, all day I'm, long. I'm the other way around. I can I can actually take <laughs> the new fifty two Tim look. It's not my really. Yeah, it's not my favorite Tim look. Right, but I I can still take it more than Red Nightwing, and I don't know yeah, why. <laughs> <laughs> and I I mean, so, laughing is the guy that I bought. I have a new 52 Red Robin statue, and I've got an action figure, and I've got a poster back behind me. So clearly I liked it enough to to buy all that stuff. And a good friend of mine's a Nightwing fan, and she, DC Essentials, is really seeing a, you know, a Red Nightwing figure. I'm like, this looks great. She's like, garbage, throw it in the trash. <laughs> I was like, wow, you really do not like the Red, the red Nightwing. And she said, uh, playing through Batman Arkham Knight, you get a new 52 skin pack. She goes, I refuse to download the red Dick Grayson uh, skin. <laughs> I was like, oh, wow. Uh, then, so, then again, you know, you're talking to a guy who really likes Kyle Rayner in the crab mask. and I love that costume, man. And, I'm a Kyle Rayner purist all the way through. And, you know, over on the Marvel side, I really like 90s Thunderstrike, so... That was a character I never, I could never really quite get into. I, I don't know what it was. It was just something I saw him in a book. I was just like, oh, I, I pass. I don't, I don't know what it is. Uh, the two pages. Uh, this was something I wanted to ask you. Uh, page eight was a Tim retelling of that. I bought said King Snake. He came into contact with Barracuda, with Catwoman. I'm trying to remember, like. We're in the 93. Was she still wearing this essentially year one Catwoman costume at this point? Or was she, was she in the full-blown... I got to say, she's in the full-blown purple because she meets up with Azriel, I believe, in a month or two. And she's in her purple costume. So this is where we were talking, like, you know, bad podcasters not having <laughs> having our notes here. But I I don't think she was in this costume. At this point, give me just a moment. Because this is where Rob edits for time. Mm, yes. Sorry, I'm looking at showcase covers because that, that is. I'm doing the exact same thing. She is in this costume on Showcase 93, issue number three and number two. So maybe as when these were coming out and since their showcase stories are kind of tied into themselves they just kept her in this costume maybe this might also just be a transition period because they do the covers themselves kind of have a purple tint to the costume but it's not the purple costume design so maybe we're a few steps away from you know her taking the tail off, getting the black boots, mm-hmm. and having her hair come out the back. So it's very interesting. I in this book, she's more in grayscale with uh, black highlights, or actually black with more gray highlights. Um, so see, Catwoman series comes out about the same time as Robin number one. Have they done her sister's keeper yet? 
I don't think they have. This is me trying to, you know, process 30-year-old memories. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm sitting here going, oh my gosh, think faster on your, to- <laughs> on your toes, Rob. Yeah. At least for the continuity purists in us, like maybe that doesn't quite line up, but I get it too when DC's putting these books out and they're just trying to fill in wherever stories may happen to hit. And actually, I think... Yeah, a Catwoman appears quite a bit. She's in uh, Showcase 4 in her own her own tie. Actually, 3, rather. I guess, she's the one that has 3 in this uh, particular. Actually, 4. Mm-hmm. I forgot the first one. Yeah, so she's in 4 right away, so maybe that's just why that she is in this costume and they slowly start transitioning her out. So. Right. And for those who haven't put all the pieces together, uh, Showcase 93 had a Batman family theme running through it. Yeah, and then two of the issues directly go into have the Nightfall banner being Showcase 93, uh, obviously, but 7 and 8 are a prequel Two-Face story. So, yeah, the Bat family is very well represented in in this era. Uh, 94 as well, and I think 95 yeah. is when they switched to the Superman family. Yep. By the time you get to page 13 where Dick realizes, all right, we're, we need a computer and... I don't really recall Dick doing a lot of computer work. It was a foregone conclusion, like, oh, Dick knows that Tim's a computer whiz, so we'll have Tim do this. But they are both working in tandem with one another, trying to figure out where where Dick's bad guy is going to be. And uh, his name is quickly escaping me, uh, Chulo. That's who is going to take care of the person that Dick is after. So... Now, what'd you think about the the sequence of them working at the computer and then crashing in through uh, the door to take out uh, a Chulo there? I really like them actually doing the computer thing. I mean, it's kind of reflecting Batman, the animated series and all that, because Dick Mm -hmm. on there was kind of a merging of all the Robin personalities at that point. So he was pretty tech savvy. But I mean, even as far as the comics go... I'm pretty sure Dick knows how to break into police files, at least. Yeah, because that's right. He was starting to do his police stuff at that point. But I definitely love the, you know, busting through the windows and all that. It had been a while since I've read a lot of Nightwing. I just recently started picking up some Dixon-era Nightwing issues that I've been missing. There's a comic shop, sadly, that is closing um, just due to the owner getting a new job, but had a, a dollar comic sale going on a few weeks back, and I got like 20, 27 issues of the 29 that I was missing from Dixon's run. But seeing on page 18 and 19, I don't really recall Dick having like a Nightwing bike. There was a bike that he had in like A Lonely Place of Dying. I think he would you know ride a bike occasionally in Titans, but I don't ever recall seeing this particular bike. I'm sure somebody out there is probably yelling at their Apple iPod right now saying, yes, Robin issue such and such, but I think it's a cool, cool bike. But unfortunately I think it meets a fiery demise uh, before too long, but I thought this was cool. Like it makes sense that Dick would have a, a motorcycle, but I want to call it a Nike bike <laughs> for, for for lack of a, a better word. But I think it's really cool. What do you think of uh, Nightwing's bike? And I think the the poor decision that they make where they switch 
people. Uh, Nightwing is going after Barracuda, and uh, Robin takes on uh, Chula, which uh, doesn't work out for uh, either of them. Well, I was just thinking about the motorcycle. I'm pretty sure somewhere later, or is it in the next issue, when he mentions that he there was a rented motorcycle. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Which I was like, because I think in this issue, uh, he says, because they end up passing out after they pull themselves up. Oh, yeah, on page 22, Nightwing says, and they're getting away, uh, all four of them, and the dope, and my cycle. Like you said, in the next issue, he talks about running a bike. I'm like, so when you rented the bike, did you go to the Kawasaki shop and say, oh, I'd like to rent this, but do you have one that's you know dark blue and has these yellow <laughs> yellow stripes on? Is that just the the... A new Kawasaki Nike bike that they just... It's all about the branding. i got to have some branding. I'll pay extra for the branding. Don't worry. (laughs) Bruce, can you buy Kawasaki really quick? (laughs) I know we're not talking, but still. (laughs) You owe me a bike, darn it. Yeah, the the sequence of... I love... And I'm not really familiar a lot with Bob McLeod. I probably am more than I uh, realize. But I love his facial expressions... Uh, for all the characters in this, and uh, one thing I gotta say about the art, it is very clean. Sometimes with, maybe not so much with showcase issues, but when you get some ancillary books where DC is kind of putting out, oh, if you want extra stories, sometimes you don't get some of the best talent on those books, or they feel rushed. As far as this story goes, and even just the other stories in the back, the Wonder Woman art, her story, which you know we're not talking about, that is absolutely beautiful dava hooper does the penciling on that the facial expressions on nightwing and barracuda on 22 look really good even on or excuse me 20 and then a 21 with uh the guy that's stuck behind the the nike bike where he's pulling out the the pin and the grenade and the look of robin and nightwing as they realize hey there's a grenade we gotta jump off the boat that those whole series and Robin Kick and Chulo is just really good. We think of the art through this uh, first issue. The art's great. The action sequences you can follow without any dialogue in them, and they'd still be just as entertaining. I mean, it, yeah. you might as well say it's storyboarded for a movie right there because, I mean. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, just in that sequence of the Robin and Nightwing on the bike, there, and it's not like. They're they're jumping like here's shot one here's shot two they're jumping off the bike you follow the bike the bike goes into the henchman Nightwing jumps on one guy Robin jumps on another they're fighting and then you still catch up with the bike of like oh well one of these guys is magically not going to be stuck behind the bike anymore nope one of them is so yeah if something was begging to be animated or you know what's a good way to follow storyboarding I think this issue. Uh, does an excellent job of your eyes can follow even if you're not reading the dialogue you can follow panel by panel and still figure out exactly what's going on right and it goes back to the whole thing of you know a younger reader might not necessarily be reading all the boxes but you know younger readers who just want to see nightwing and robin get into some action they can definitely follow what's going on no problem yeah and I like the very end of this story where, and that's the other cool thing. Like this first story is 22 pages. So 
this could have been its own comic all along and knowing that you have, you know, a couple other stories in this book is just, uh, absolutely fantastic. But, uh, route night when you get the, they have that little stuttering thing and you realize, Oh, the water's cold. They've been in the water for a while and then they both collapse on the pier. So I think a good sign for, for any book is making you, definitely want to pick up the second book. If this was, ah, eh, this is just something I, I bought just because I had an extra two bucks in my pocket and, and maybe I'll, I'll go track it down. This single story alone, just aside from being a Batman fan, uh, made me, you know, looking at the calendar going, Oh my gosh, I got to wait a month till this book comes out. So this is one that I have read and reread over the years and not just the, Nightwing and Robin story, just all the stories in this I thought were done uh, really well. So uh, what did you think of this first issue in this little uh, uh, showcase book? Oh, it, it's absolutely wonderful. Like you said, it really does make you want to pick up the next one. And I'm notorious for picking up issues of showcase for the non-cover people. You know, mm-hmm. like there are issues that I've picked up because it had Firestorm stories and course you know he was like the second or third build character in it but Mm -hmm. it's like yeah i'm reading for this but these other stories are hooking me in all honesty probably when i first came across the story i picked up issue 12 because it had a green lantern story in it (laughs) yeah well since you just mentioned 12 let's go right over to 12 and when i was already talking about the cover earlier so as 11 was crazy busy, this is the hero shot of the two where you get, if you didn't know any better, this is the Nightwing movie poster coming out and starring Nightwing, Hal Jordan, Green Lantern, the Creeper, and Tim Drake Robin swinging right to uh, camera action. Like I said, uh, I got to meet Alan Davis and uh, Mark Farmer and had them sign this particular issue. But out of the two covers, I love this cover. And, uh, just the way how Jordan looks. I mean, this is nineties era, how Jordan through and through again, I, my favorite lantern has always been Kyle Rayner, but uh, seeing this is like, that's, uh, that's how Jordan, you know, that makes me want to grab my superpowers action figure, <laughs> you know? And, uh, the creeper, I was never that familiar with, I think with the Batman animated series, his one appearance in there, but the creeper was somebody, honestly, I never really had, an affinity for, and I always kind of half rolled my eyes whenever the creeper popped up. But this particular book, again, this was another one that I read, obviously just because of the you know two main characters that we're talking about today. But uh, this creeper story, I didn't mind too much. But what do you think of this cover here for twelve? Well, if this is going to be the Nightwing movie poster, um, can I get my ticket now? Because <laughs> if there's a movie with all four of these characters in it. I'm going to see it opening night. <laughs> yeah. Me too. I think we'll have to make sure our social distancing is correct. You can sit off to the left and I'll sit on the right and then we'll have our own private screening of this <laughs> Nightwing, <laughs> Nightwing movie. Yeah, I, I, I dig this cover a lot. And this makes me wish like Alan Davis had a little bit more to do in this this era of, you know... I. I would have read a Tim Drake book with him drawing it. His Nightwing looks great. Again, the Creeper looks fantastic, but there's just something about his Hal Jordan that's just right on point that I just, I absolutely dig. All right, so getting into this one, now the 
inside of the book now has the Robin and Nightwing in their correct uh, fonts as the first book really didn't do that. And that was something I always geeked out about is seeing the characters' names written in their own particular font. I used to, you know, draw the Robin font forever, but seeing the Nightwing font, you really didn't see it a whole lot until he would get his own book and his, you know, once his costume changed, then the name was written more like the, what would become to known as the bird logo over the years. But I've always really liked this uh, Nightwing font whenever it appeared. I don't normally get really font uh, crazy in books. What do you think of the, uh, for the 80th, uh, the two fonts for Robin and Nightwing? Uh, I mean, I've always dug the Robin font, but the Nightwing one kind of has that whole um, 70s and 80s vibe to it. And, mm-hmm. and I really kind of like it. It's You get the Batman connection with it. The way it you know kind of swoops up on the end like a cape, but at the same time it just feels like a an air of mystery and a whole lot of adventure all rolled into one yeah this this is something I could have seen in like a seventies or early eighties Saturday morning car- cartoon. You could almost see the logo like it's going to be starting in a swirl that would kind of spin around and come up to the screen. And just that name Nightwing, I always thought was really cool. Now living in the day and age where they decided to call Tim Drake, just Drake. I'm like, seriously, (laughs) that's what we're going with. But that's a, a rant for (laughs) another podcast. Something I like, right. As this issue starts off is again, the continuing narration for Tim of what has, what has gone on and what wakes them up is Tim's belt is uh, going off to let him know that the tracker he placed, which I forgot to mention this in the last one. I always thought that was a cool thing that uh, Tim's R's were also like shurikens or some type of a dart that he could throw. I think the Titans uh, TV series on DC Universe borrowed that a little Mm -hmm. bit where Dick has a reservoir of like shurikens that he can throw. And that's, they obviously got that from Tim Drake. So when Dick and Nightwing board the boat, Tim is firing those off and one of those gets embedded into the side of the boat. So if the two of them get moving pretty quick, they can start to track uh, where the boat is going. That's just one of those things that even though that Batman or Bruce Wayne isn't around currently at the moment, that even the fraction of a time that Tim had with Bruce got enough training in that uh, knew enough to place a tracker so they could uh, follow it later and what I, I know that this story takes place in New York, but the two cops that show up, and if they don't have some of the best dialogue in this issue, especially the uh, sheriff here, if he can have every slang possible for a superhero, um, <laughs> it's absolutely like every single panel is something here like, oh, our dear Halloween party boys have little fun on the docks and complete with fireworks. And I think he calls them unitard spandex uh, fancies at one point in here. But every every time he is, quote unquote, on screen, uh, he has got some type of slang to uh, put them uh, in their place. <laughs> this It made me want like Shotgun Smith was, what I was the long winded answer. It would have been cool if Shotgun Smith was in this character, but I like this dude. Uh, what do you think of the uh, two officers? You have the one that's like, you're not going to come into my town and do this thing. And you got the dopey cop. It's like, okay, Lieutenant, let's, uh, let's get out of here. So what do you think of these two guys? I mean, yeah, they're obviously there for comic relief, but at the same time, I just got slightly annoyed with them because they just seem like, oh, you know, oh, 
big shot tough guys i see yeah you i know you take on the joker but we're from new york we do things hardcore it's like the joker beat you know a, a teenager nearly to death with a crowbar but okay you go handle you know the homeless problem with you know mayor giuliani all right i think that's something i always liked in the dc universe that for the most part, they didn't. You had like Keystone and Gotham and Metropolis, where on the Marvel side of things, you had all of the real life locations that the superheroes were in. Which at one spot, I always like that. That oh wow, you could look up at the you know Empire State Building and know wow, Spider Man was swinging from that in you know issue whatever it is. But there was also something I liked about going into the fictional, if I can say that word today, cities of the DC universe where it could be any city. You could say like, well, Gotham City's probably like, you know, New York. Do you have a preference of either way of having a real place or a fictional place? For the most part, I really prefer the DC fake cities and stuff. They just, I know they're completely fictional, but they feel more real at times because they... This way, the writers can actually put more personality into the cities. You know, for example, the um, Robinson Starman, Opal City is its character. You know, is mm. its own character. Right. Yes. Or if you really want to, you know, start taking things a little more literally, in Doom Patrol, Danny the Street is is, is really quite literally a character. <laughs> right. But. You know, now, yeah, I've always done yeah. that. But then again, on the other side, part of me does kind of like Marvel's reality just because when Asgard was you know, part of the earthly plane, it was about 20 miles down the road from me. Mm, that's I did not realize yeah, that. Yeah, Asgard uh, was hovering over Route 66 in Oklahoma. So <laughs> Now, we were talking about Dick and Tim's, like brotherly bond being a little a little off in the beginning of the issue by page eight and nine they really start getting that uh that bond in that respect here dick knows the the role that tim is in like i was a robin i get with working with a partner and we have both worked with Batman. And a line that I really like in here says, you remember that you're a kid and I won't treat you like one. And uh, Tim says, fair enough. Like, I'll be the lead on this and I won't treat you like you're 13 years old or, you know, 15, whatever uh, Tim's age is at this. I believe he's around 15. So I kind of like that they have this mutual understanding and a quick like shorthand with one another and i think that works very well of that batman and robin dynamic of having that shorthand like here's the mission you take my lead i take your lead and we'll go from there so what do you think about their discussion that they're having through uh this these couple pages on their way to track down um about said king snake again <laughs> barracuda yeah i'm with you i really like the the line about you know remember you're a kid and i won't treat you know, in other words know your place so I don't have to put you in your place. But at mm -hmm. the same time, one of my favorite things that comes even just as soon as they're done with the cops and 
And Tim's like, well, what are we going to do? How are we going to find them? And Dick's just like, I thought you were trained by Batman. <laughs> like, really, kid? This is you know, Batman 101 right here. You should already know. <laughs> yeah. As we start moving through, towards the tail end of this book, again, I think the art, it's the same creative team as the last one. And uh, Bob McLeod, again, his art is just flawless. It, everything flows really well. The uh, two... Uh, Two tough guy cops end up uh, getting a little in over their head. The boat is blown up. Uh, this is where Dick makes the comment about on page 13. He says, and there goes the boat and the rented cycle. But you're right, Robin. They're long gone, and they'd be anywhere by now. And it's, this is where Tim points out, like, hey, there's the there's the cop car. The, the guy that they're tracking, this is his warehouse. Once Robin and Nightwing... They get into the warehouse, and I think this was a cool moment that the conversation that they have just had of Nightwing being the lead, and or not even lead, just you know, like knowing your place. It's Tim that makes the decision once he sees the two cops that are tied up, and uh, Barracuda is ready to light the lighter and to teach these cops a lesson in the warehouse. It's Robin that makes the jump through the window and has that inner monologue of like, of course I didn't give Nightwing a chance to make the plan. His instincts kicked in. And I think that's kind of the point, like you said earlier, like you, when Tim was freaking out of like, Oh, well, what are we going to do? This is, this is that moment of like, well, you were trained by Batman and letting that natural instinct take over, which I think, that was the point Dick was trying to make to Tim, even at the very beginning, almost like you don't need me. You already have all the training that you need up to this point. So what'd you think of that, ex- uh, that exchange in the, uh, uh, the choice that Tim made coming in through the, uh, through the window yeah, first. Tim sees what needs to be done and he does it. He doesn't take time to just be like, Dick, what do you think? Should we, shouldn't we? He's like, no, if I don't, if I wait, you know, 30 seconds longer, these cops are going to go up in flames. And as much as they were jerks earlier, they're still people. Yeah. And once we're inside the warehouse and I mean, on page 17 and then again on page 18, uh, looking at the cops being surrounded by fire and the fire is not touching them. Like I shouldn't have like my physics hat on like those, they should already be burning at this point. But, uh, I, we're just gonna let that we're gonna let that go, but the art again is just is great through here. Seeing Nightwing and Robin kind of getting manhandled here for a little bit, and then uh, Robin and Nightwing have the idea of throwing the uh, bat rope over the uh, burning boxes, and they pull them down. And the two cops working to uh, untie themselves. I think that whole sequence is really good, and the onomatopoeia on page nineteen of the Krashoom coming down. Uh, I think it's just a really, really cool panel, and looks like Chulo gets hit with uh, kind of the abrupt force, <laughs> but the panel that really kind of made me laugh is 20. Everybody is surrounded in fire. <laughs> yeah. the, the top panel, like, there's, like, looks like Robin's half-arm is burnt, Nightwing is kind of crouched down. There's not there's not a box around. They're having this discussion where you're like, uh, let's go, <laughs> let's go, let's get out of here. Uh, so what did you think of that sequence before we get to the end it's of it? It's a really good sequence, but yeah, I was going to point out that panel too. It really looks like it was just at the point of, I'm tired of drawing boxes. This issue <laughs> is due next week. 
I'm just going to draw right. flames because flames are easy. <laughs> I don't have to draw a full body. I don't have to worry about feet. Yeah, it's like yeah, it's like somebody dialed up Rob Liefeld and said, "Hey, how do I make this panel super easy?" <laughs> and Liefeld just said, "Yeah, burn them, burn them." <laughs> do you have any fire in your story? <laughs> yes, use that. And if you could slip a pouch or two in it, why don't you do that as well? But don't draw feet. <laughs> I got a bunch of feet to draw. What do I do? Draw fire. Speaking of a pouch, you can definitely see the cop's holster for his gun. So, <laughs> yeah, I yeah, think he's like he slipped a pouch in there. Bob, I was just liking your art. Now you had to go ruin it with a pouch. <laughs> but uh, the issue ends up with uh, Tim with a big fat lip. You don't really see Nightwing much there, taking much of the brunt. Yeah, he's but, got a. F- uh, that might just be shading, but I, I would take that to mean he's yeah. either got a bruise or got some, something on it. Yeah. Some scratches. Yeah. But uh, I think, you know, without sounding cheesy, this is the start of a a beautiful <laughs> friendship for... Uh, okay, I, I tried to not make it cheesy, but I ended up doing it. Seeing Robin uh, swing off, leaving uh, Night, Nightwing there in his uh, heroic pose. Says, good, good luck, kid, and don't grow up too fast, which I... I don't know why I like that line uh, so much that just reading into it that here we are in 2020 and Tim's not Robin anymore and Damien's Robin and who knows what's going to happen if this 5G thing still still rolls out or whatever. But time is the the funny thing. You know, here we are with a book that's pushing 25 years older or better and uh, it's it still reads some older issues you can definitely go oh, this is a time and a place and you can kind of put yourself back in like oh this issue totally screams 1977 but the nice thing about this story there wasn't a whole lot in this that pulled me out of the story where i was like you know i graduated high school in uh 93 but you know reading this this wasn't Something where I was like, yep, that's clearly 1993 right there, aside from the ads from the video games that I had played in here or whatever. But what did you think of the story overall now that it's wrapped up? And uh, did it feel like this was a 1993 story for you? Uh, I mean, if you wanted to nitpick it, yeah, you could probably point out a few things that were pretty much 93. You know, like, oh, they didn't have a cell phone on them. And, oh, you know. Yeah barracuda's hair and so on and so forth but (laughs) i mean really it i I hate to use the word timeless but it really did feel like it could be a story that you could just insert into into a modern setting and you didn't lose anything yeah i've always thought that's one of the best hallmarks of a book where you know our show is basically 90s all the time where there's somewhere you know robin's hacking a payphone and the hacking device is so huge <laughs> yeah. you know where you're like all right i get it you know like i said there's no cell phones but with you know the superhero technology that they were using there all the in-ear pieces so you're like all right i guess they don't need a cell phone until you see Jack Drake making a phone call on his cellular phone that's as big as, you know, Magnum P.I.'s head. Using you know, Zach Morris. Or something like that. Yeah, the Zach Morris yeah, the Zach Morris phone. Yeah, there you go. So yeah, I was I'm really glad that you uh chose to uh do this book. Like I said, this was something that Terrence Ryan and I let slip 
uh, more me slip through the uh, cracks podcasting. So that was fun to, to go back to this. It's funny that we keep drawing the parallels between Barracuda and King Snake because I came very close to asking to cover the Shadow Box. Shadow Box is one of those that if you would have said that, I'd, I'd have been all over that because I dig uh, the Shadow Box story quite a bit. And it was funny that they have two characters other than if he was blind this would this would have been this would have been king snake all over so the, the tattoo was a little bit like with him having the the big teeth of like you know a barracuda fish that was probably enough just him being mm-hmm. built but that he has a dragon tattoo you know was a, a little on the nose there so somebody owes Chuck Dixon yeah, it some was money probably well you know as Chuck Dixon is consulting editor or whatever and it's kind of like, yeah. I get the feeling that Doug Munch really said, I want to tell a King Snake story. And Dixon's <laughs> like, we just did that, you know, six months ago. You can't right. do it again. Oh, uh, well, what about if we call him, <laughs> I don't know, Barracuda? <laughs> <laughs> so I, it's only fitting that episode hasn't been edited yet. But I'd be lying if you haven't heard the Barracuda music from Heart at some point during this episode. I'm just saying it's it's going to be there. (laughs) That's right, Uh, Clinton. This has been a lot of fun. I I feel bad for not having you on the show uh, earlier. So don't be surprised if you I want to punch your dance card again (laughs) to do so. I'm always up to Uh, talk some Robin because. Everybody loves the Drake. You know what, sir? I was going to send you one check in the mail. You now get two. <laughs> but I'll probably have to send you toilet paper and uh, some meat and any other. That'll probably be more more <laughs> worth more right now than the actual <laughs> check probably will. Uh, before I let you go, if I did say at the top of the show that uh, I enjoy the coffee and comics immensely, and I have said this to every guest that I've had on the show, I feel like a radio, somebody that calls into a radio show that says, long-time listener, first-time caller. I am so bad about writing into the shows that I listen to. So that is my New Year's resolution this year, is to start writing into the shows that I listen to regularly. But if anybody's not familiar uh, with what you do on your shows, and shame on you if you're not listening to Coffee and Comics and your your fan uh, podcast, Fan Film Fridays podcast, um, can you tell us a little bit about both shows and uh, where they can Absolutely. find them? Absolutely. But first, thank you. Thank you, sir. That is high praise. Okay, <laughs> so, as mentioned, I do a couple of little shows. One is the Coffee and Comics podcast, where I review a comic or comic-related media, usually in the span of time it takes to have a nice little coffee break. doesn't always work, but, you know, I try. I have guests on from time to time, but usually I'm just flying solo. Every so often, I might luck into an interview or two, and those seem to go over pretty well. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and as mentioned, I've recently started another show called Fan Film Fridays. That's over on the Longbox Crusade Network. The guys were lucky enough to have me, and uh, through a little mishap of my own, I ended up stuck in their basement so i just spend the time uh, reviewing online fan films that can usually be found on youtube or other free video media platforms 
I review those with a random guest each episode. And so far, it has been one of the more fun things I've done. So, And it's not limited to comics at all. As of this recording, the most recent episode, Jared Albrecht and I looked at a fan film called Hang'em Hyrule, which took the Legend of Zelda video game series and turned it into a spaghetti western. <laughs> that, that just piqued my curiosity right there. I'm telling you... For one, it is something you have to see to believe, and for two, <laughs> you would not believe the fun we had discussing it. So, I would imagine that you find enough like, wow, this could have been a a feature. Like this should have this could have been with the production value been something that would have been in the theaters or been direct to video. And I'm sure you come across the complete opposite of like. They had $12.25 budget on this thing. <laughs> uh, yeah, we we have definitely uh, run the gamut so far. There was, um, well, I mean, we started off with Batman Dead End that I'm sure most everybody knows of. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Which had a budget of roughly, you know, ten grand, And we followed that up with uh, X-Men District X, which really does look like it had a budget of, hey, everybody, get those X-Men cosplays that you wore to convention last year, and let, let's go make a movie. <laughs> there was a... We interviewed the creators of this a Robin Webb series. Yeah, that was two years ago? No. Yeah, two or three years ago. And I think they lasted about three or four episodes. I think they had lost their Robin lead at one point, but we got to interview the uh, Stephanie Brown character, uh, the assistant director, and uh, I forget who the other uh, gentleman was escaping off the top of my head. Uh, that might be something uh, to take a look at. I think they had about six episodes. I think it's called Robin the Web Series. Um, and uh, they had a pretty decent uh, decent budget for that, that one. the one with... Um Mika Nicole playing. Yes, oh my God. yes. I know her. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. She used to live like literally an hour away. Wow. Yeah. She was, she was adorable. Yeah. Uh, we had her um, as one of the guests, and I'm frantically trying to scroll through the feed to see what episode of uh, that was. I want to say it was in the uh, 80s. That's just wow. Small world. Yeah, small because, world. Yeah, yeah Mika and I used um, to do conventions and stuff here before she changed her name to me. Yeah, they even. <laughs> oh wow! I, I mean, I wouldn't have been surprised. I'm trying to find that. Oh, here it is, episode forty three, Robin the Web series. So, episode forty three on our show, we had Mika on as a guest. So, I've uh, I've literally done uh, six degrees of Kevin Bacon, probably well, two degrees of Kevin Bacon, <laughs> right here on this <laughs> uh, this show right now. So. Yeah, reach out to her, see if you can't get her on your show and uh, go through that. So, yeah, we uh, I was keeping in contact with her for a little bit because they were doing a uh, GoFundMe page for more production value. And I think that the project just kind of got away from them. Then they were all doing, you know, different things after a while. Small, mm. small world. Well, Clinton, this has been a blast. Um, thank you for taking time uh, out of your day, because I'm sure you had a million places that you wanted to go today, but unfortunately, none of us can go anywhere. Well, actually, I'm more of an introvert by nature, so you know, sitting at home podcasting is my joy. 
as mine as well. Well, speaking of joy, it's been my pleasure having you uh, on the show. Go check out Clinton's show. Ryan Haas is here. All right, before we uh, get out of here, uh, you got anything uh, that you're currently working on or anything to plug before we uh, get out of this episode? Well, I, it's a little in- it's interesting because I, I don't really have anything personal to plug that's comic book or Batman related, but because I am the the, the main emissary of of the Batman podcast network, as brought to you by Batman on Film, mm-hmm. uh, of course I run the Twitter. Uh, the Batman Podcast Network Twitter at Batpod Network. I did think it would be definitely worth mentioning that that the network has grown quite a bit recently with with two really good new shows on the network that yeah. feature a whole bunch of people that people that listen to this show should already be pretty familiar with. So there's two new shows. Oh my gosh, more more Batman related shows to listen to. <laughs> what a, what a travesty! Right. But one of them is the Batman Book Club, which is hosted by Ryan Lauer, and you can find them on Twitter at the Batman BC or on the internet at the Batman And of course, you can look up the Batman Book Club on line. You know, on any of your podcatchers and. uh you're on. You're on one of those shows. Yeah, I'm yes. on episode episode four. And when uh, Ryan was going through and asking people, like, I don't know if I'll peek behind the curtain, like I always like to say, I don't know if I understood it enough. Like, oh, I, I was like, pick a <laughs> Batman story. So something it's so that loose. It's such a loose framework. <gasps> yeah, it's, it's it's basically a an excuse for. And here's, I guess, is the elevator pitch for the Batman Book Club. It's an excuse for Ryan Lauer and friends to talk about Batman or Batman-adjacent things in the printed medium mm-hmm. of any sort. So that can be – it probably would be like 90% comic books, trade paperbacks, graphic novels. But that you could – it could be – as long as it's Batman or Batman-adjacent in the printed form, it could be fair game for that show. So it could be a novel. It could be – a video game supplementary material. It could be the Batman yeah. newspaper strips that I've, you know, probably mentioned on some some of these shows. So it could get it could get really interesting as um as as the people get creative on it, and it's all driven by the guests that he um, brings onto the show. So it's not Lauer being like, oh, I want to talk about right all the Batman things I like. He finds cool and interesting people <clears throat> to be on the show, and he lets them pick the the thing that they're passionate about and so it's an excuse for him to maybe read something he's never read before or or get to talk about something that he already loves so it's a really cool little show and it probably will be around for quite a while because there's no shortage of of batman things to talk about it's kind of an interesting catch-all i think that um should be you'll, you'll have episodes that cover whatever regardless of you know pop culture news or whatever it's i mean this show eltd is very focused on tim drake but when we can go outside a little bit but it's 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 definitely another little pillar um that should cover some interesting content yeah and it's really eclectic is probably the the best way to say Mm -hmm. like you've got your traditions like long halloween year year one and you know i been saying you know the only place of dying is you know my favorite batman story Mm -hmm. i didn't want to go and just kind of 
regurgitate's the wrong word, just redo that. Like I I want an excuse to pick something different that I to get out of the Tim Drake sphere. So I picked Batman and Son for for my first one, episode four. Yeah. And what was I your think he was ep- pretty surprised. He was yeah. pretty surprised too. Uh, and what was your uh episode number? Was it two? Uh, I don't, I, it's not posted yet. Oh, okay. I'm a, I'm a mystery. A mystery. Oh, know, oh because I, he had Pete and he had, um, Holtzman, me. So, oh uh, yeah. Well, yeah. I'll have to wait and see then. So yeah, you'll have to wait and see. I don't know if you want to edit this out or not. Just okay. don't do it. Don't edit it out. I'll just spill, I'll, I'll just spoil it here. And Ooh. if you're, if you're a, um, if you're a listener of, of all the shows, you'll have the insider information. Nice. So, so I, my my little side plan with this is that um, we're going to be covering all of the the movie adaptation comic books. Sweet, uh, dude. So yeah. So <laughs> so uh, my my episode with Lauer is is covers the Batman eighty nine uh, adaptation. You know, with the, it's the Jerry Ordway Dennis O'Neill. Mm. Thing. And of course, Dennis, I'm a big Denny O'Neill fan. Denny wrote wrote all four Burton Schumacher uh, comic book adaptations. Yeah. So that can be that. So my plan is to, for that to be a, a nice little through line where, when when I'm a recurring guest on that show, we'll be covering those books. And then, Lauer doesn't even know this, but after talking about Nightfall and novels, and oh, it can be a novel. I'm I'm going to make that dude cover the the night Denny's Nightfall novel. At some point, that would be a great excuse to reread that one again. Mm-hmm, exactly. Nice. So you said there's two new shows. Two what new would shows. be? That's show one, Batman yes. Book Club. Yes. Uh, the, so the, show two. Show two is is a podcast aptly titled "Straight Out of Gotham," <laughs> and uh, that is hosted by uh, our pals Eric Holtzman and Pete Vera. They they've been legends. their pal their pals legends as you did you call them legends? I did. Uh yes, <laughs> myths, legends, all the above. They uh those are two dudes um like you Rob that that I've met in person. Now, this plugs all about me of course, but they those are those are some some awesome awesome guys and um the, their their little slant for their show, it, their elevator pitch for that show is is like it's it's if I'm going to do a Pete Vera impression, it, it's, East, it's East Coast. It's East Coast Batman coffee talk. You know what I mean? So it's like, that's what it is. I mean, they're, they're both New York, New Jersey guys. Yep. And and they just get to talk about the same kind of stuff that we would talk on BO, on a BOF podcast about. But it can be a little less topical. And it can get a little tangenty as we do sometimes on ELTD. And um, they've told me some of their – they've they've got ideas for days about – fun tangents and fun shows to do. So that's one to definitely, uh, if you're looking for something fun or interesting, or maybe just a little extra additional take on some, on some of the more recent news and just to jump in on the show when it's new and fresh. Um, I think that's a, it's, it's just a really fun, easy listening type of show with, with two really great guys. And so, that is on. And, oh, and yours truly is on the first episode. So yeah. I don't know. I don't know if that helps or deters anybody from <laughs> that. The first episode is is really good. I'm, I'm a couple episodes behind. I saw the most recent feed come up at the time that this is recording, but yeah. uh, it was so interesting. And by the way, great great first episode. Mm. But it was so interesting. Like as Gotham season five, is that right? Because fifth season, yes, as the that fifth and w- final season. 
Yeah. So as that was going on, uh, Pete and Eric decided to do like a live from the green room on like for a Facebook live. So Mm -hmm. after the episode was over, you tune in and that was always like on grocery night. So I would kind of miss the episode. Like I would get just to the end of it, but But you'd watch them talk about, but I'd watch them talk about not that I didn't care about the show. Like Gotham is Gotham, but I had so much fun, uh, just listening to them like you two guys need to start a podcast and talk about how all the BOF community gets together. Um, air quotes here. I met Reno in that for the, like really had no mm-hmm. interaction who, who Reno was at the time. He's, so, he's such a cool dude. <laughs> such a cool dude. So while we were watching them, he and I started having private side messages you know, back and forth. So talk about bringing a, a community together. And then there was like this lull of like, okay, Pete, what are you guys going to do? So seeing those two guys do their own show. So if you got to experience the two of them live from the green room, uh, that was, that's cool to know that straight out of Gotham kind of birthed itself out of their little project for season five of Gotham. So that's kind of yeah. cool to, yeah. to see it come to fruition. Yeah. They've been talking about doing a show for a long time, trying to figure out the format and, they were going to do it on Gotham, and they were going to do it for, like, Batwoman or whatever, and that mm-hmm. kind of fell through. But now they're just like, you know what, let's just let's just, just do it and just talk, and then and then some of their cooler ideas will come to fruition the, the more the show goes on. And I've been catching up, too. I've been listening to them. Of course, I listened to the – I was on the first episode, and then I was listening to them uh, in reverse order, so the most recent down to episode two. And they, they do a lot of fun tangents, and they name drop a bunch of BOF people, and mm-hmm. – it's just cool. It's like a cool, intimate-ish type of um, type of show. It's really fun, and I probably should have actually told you where to find it way at the beginning of this plug, but I'm sorry about that. So it's um, straight out of Gotham, and and you can find them on Twitter at straight underscore o underscore g, and you can also find them at the same place on Instagram. Uh, straight underscore o underscore g and of course you can look at spotify or apple podcasts or whatever just look up straight out of gotham (laughs) o-u-t-t-a as you would expect and uh and you'll find that show there it's it's just it's just fun both of those shows the batman book club and straight out of gotham are definitely two really good shows to to put in your batman podcast rotation that uh that don't cover the same ground as other shows that that you probably have yeah. In your rotation. So. And what a what a great community like BOF is. Core BOFers have branched out and done their own things. Like you've got Justin with the Let's Go comic show. Mm-hmm. And you've got you with an upcoming Azrael podcast. Mm-hmm. You're helping helm BOF in, in, in some capacities here and there. And then we've been, the door had been opened for our show to be associated with Batman on film and the Batman podcast network. And now you've got Lauer and Pete and Eric. So there's just this wonderful community and mm-hmm. every show has something just a little bit different. This just overall part of this character that we all like. So good call on a, yeah. On a couple plugs there for some shows you guys definitely need to go check out. Yeah, and um, yeah, and just just to just to kind of promote the the Batman Podcast Network Twitter handle at Batpod Network. That's a good handle just to follow, just so you can kind of get fun curated updates from all these other shows. And that's one that you can tag and get into little discussions with if you tag that that Twitter handle. You, you can kind of keep up with multiple shows that way too. So just want to throw that out there.
this is where we're going to put a pin in it for this episode of the show. We'll be back two weeks, jumping back to our 90s chronological episode. Then two weeks after that, we'll be back for another 80th anniversary show with another special guest. On the behalf of Clinton Robinson, this is Rob Myers, and you've been listening to the BatmanUniverse.net. More importantly, you've been listening to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake celebrating 80 years of Robin this year. We'll see you in a few weeks. Take care. Thanks for listening to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake podcast. This has been brought to you by the BatmanUniverse.net. Tim Drake, Robin, and all Batman-related characters are under copyright of DC Comics. This podcast is solely for entertainment purposes, so no infringement is intended by this show. The show is not a good revenue stream. Actually, there's not a stream at all. All music and sound clips are under copyright by their respected copyright holders. So there should be no need to send the Penguin's lawyers after us for ill-gotten gains because there are none. You can get a hold of the show a few different ways. We are on Twitter at ELTD Podcast. You can also email in at RobinELTDPodcast at Yahoo.com. Our Facebook page can be found at www.facebook.com slash everyone loves the Drake. And as always, you can message directly over at the BatmanUniverse.net. So email, tweet, or message us. We'd love to hear from you. And we'll read your comments or responses on the show. The show you're listening to can be found a few different ways through iTunes and Windows Media, also over at our host, TBU. Leave us a review on iTunes if you listen there. It'll help spread the word of the show. Make sure you head over to the BatmanUniverse.net, your home for all things Batman and Robin. Thanks for listening to the show and hearing why everyone loves the Drake. We'll see you in a few weeks. Take care. Barracuda!